the sounds of a city waking up. The call of the birds, the roar of the traffic, the unmistakable clank of construction. More than 50% of the world's population live in cities. Is that sustainable? Can humans and nature learn to live together better in the future than we have in the past? The Live Well Sustainability podcast is an initiative of Willoughby City Council and will explore some of the problems and solutions that urban living creates for the long-term future of people and the planet. On this episode, we're going to meet local resident and sustainability advocate, Sarah Miller. Sarah originally hails from England, but came to Australia via New Zealand and has lived in Narrenburn for the best part of a decade. For Sarah, sustainability is really about a series of choices. A devotee of the lifestyle movement known as permaculture that was developed by Australian scientist Bill Mollison in the 80s, it entails everything from growing much of her own food to ethical shopping and being an active participant in the community. We caught up with Sarah in her home earlier this year to talk all things sustainability in the modern urban world. When I think of sustainability, I just have that phrase, tread lightly on the earth. Way back uh, when I grew up in England, um, my dad gave me a small patch of garden for my own little experimenting with growing things so it probably started with that and also probably going on holidays to wild places we used to go to the west of Ireland to see grandparents probably wasn't until I'd moved away from home and I got involved with some more environmentally conscious organizations like the Conservation Trust in England and um, we'd spend weekends working in forests from then I then got to know about permaculture and did a design certificate in permaculture when we lived in New Zealand. And I think that's when the sustainability side of things really took off. While Sarah can't recall the precise details of her introduction to permaculture, its basic premise of an integrated and sustainable way of interacting with the earth has become a cornerstone of the way she lives her life. You know, I, I really can't remember how I discovered it for the first time. I probably read a book about it. Um, and I wanted to explore permaculture in the urban context because originally when Bill Mullinson set it up, it was more for people who had a property out in the country and, and they had lots of space, you know, quite a few acres. Um, but the model I wanted to explore was definitely urban permaculture. So it encompasses more than just organic gardening. It's a whole lifestyle. It's about the choices you make. I always think there's three principles, um, earth care, people care, fair share. You could join a local permaculture group. Um, We have Permaculture Sydney North, which is then split up into different local groups. So we've got a Willoughby local group. You could come along to that local group as a complete beginner. And we have workshops throughout the year and talks or just meeting at somebody's garden and we do lots of different activities. That's how I learnt to um, make soap, how I learnt to make garden twine from natural materials, um, how I learnt to make beeswax wraps. So all of those have come through belonging to the permaculture group. One of the major areas of interest in permaculture is growing one's own food and despite having only a modest garden, 
Sarah has a surprisingly wide array of fruit and vegetables. Well, when we moved in here, it was just grass. And um, I've got a real thing about just grass because it's complete, a waste of space, really. And also, it doesn't have much of a cooling um, impact as well. I just started planting food. I've got a mango, but I do have a lot of dwarf fruit trees because it is a very small space. So it's only seven metres wide. So I do have dwarfs. I've even got a dwarf avocado in a pot. Um, I've got vines. So I've got passion fruit, uh, thornless blackberry. Uh, I've got banana. That's also dwarf. Citrus, mandarins, lemons, lime, and then vegetables. Generally, most of the year, probably the fruit, not so much in the winter, though we'd always get some citrus, actually. Yeah, yeah and we've got a fig in the front. Um, and then there's all the different vegetables you can grow. But I've got um, ginger, turmeric. I grow garlic. Then... Zucchini, tomatoes, eggplant, lettuce. I mean, we're not self-sufficient by any means because it's not a, bit, not a big enough patch for that. But it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to go out and pick some herbs of your own or something from the garden. Gardening, though, isn't just for personal pleasure. It ticks another important permaculture box because it can also be a community activity. We have a small space at the end of Bongalong Street that's got six raised garden beds um, with a small area surrounding it. And we have a few people who generally do most of the gardening work. But with our garden, we encourage people to just come by and enjoy the space and pick a few leaves of things if they'd like to. And families bring their young children along and it's fascinating to see them find a strawberry or a bean, you know, or there's a pumpkin growing and they can actually see where their food comes from. And also that it takes a bit of work to make that food. And, and we also talk to families about um, how we grow the food so that those organic methods are so important because they've got a lesser impact on the environment. Um, it's a real sense of achievement and you can see the pleasure on the kids' faces when they think, well, I planted that seed and it's become this plant and now I can pick it and take it home and, and eat it or even eat it on the spot. And there's a lot of pleasure from that. Um, I think the earlier um, that you start with encouraging children to grow things is really important. A young family came by the other day and they had a little like three or four-year-old with them and they were saying, oh, Sarah could show you how to do this. And, and this kid said, no, I already know how to do that, Dad, because we did that at kindergarten. You know, so three or four years old, they're already becoming involved in it and having that pleasure, you know, doing it. For a lot of people, say if they don't have an apartment, uh, don't have a garden and they live in an apartment, you know, they could come and join the community garden. And then that's very easy because you've got people there who already know how to grow vegetables and you can come and learn and just be part of the local community. And we do encourage people can come and pick things from the garden anytime. Again, coming back to the community and um, sharing plants, um, Sharing how we grow things, sharing the crops that we make. There's things like food swaps as well and, and seed sharing that happen. Um, permaculture has also gone into different countries and they've set up community projects on permaculture principles in different developing countries. It's good to have people who want to learn about how to grow things themselves. 
So some community gardens are fenced off and you have to become a member. But ours is completely open to the local community. And we encourage people to bring their um, organic waste along as well. So we, they can put that in the aero bin or one of the worm farms. It's a good way for people to meet each other and have a chat and enjoy the surroundings. Um, a lot of people just like to come and sit there and enjoy the space. And some people say, oh, it's a bit like going out to the countryside. And they can just sit on the, the, one of the beds and, and look at the trees and, yeah, take in the atmosphere. Very good for mental health. I mean, some people who are in our group, I think there's a couple of people who actually don't even have their own garden or have their own proper place. So, but you can still do a small amount. I mean, I think if each of us learns, I always think if you learn a new skill, a practical skill every year, it's a really good thing for your lifestyle. For Sarah, permaculture is not only about using existing sustainable systems, but adding innovations of our own. Well, I suppose with permaculture, we're always going back to the, you know, recycle, reduce, reuse. I mean, we do obviously use our um, recycling bin, but I often would more likely tend to reuse things first. So um, another thing I learned to do at permaculture was to um, pickle olives. So I save jars from other things and say honey jars. And then when I pickle my olives once a year, I'll buy five kilos of olive, you know, fresh olives. Um, then I reuse those jars. So they get reused every year. So they're not going in the recycling bin. I'm making choices and just thinking um, about what you do. I love the plastic free July idea. And every year, Paul and I decided we're going to think of one new way every time July comes around to stop using a plastic. So one of the ways we decided last July was that instead of buying bread in plastic bags at the supermarket, we would find somewhere where they would refill the plastic bag for us. So we found out that up the road at Baker's Delight, if we take our used plastic bag, they will refill it with the bread for us. So Paul goes up every week and gets his bread bags filled, refilled. We've lived here for nine years and funnily enough, we used... We used to do that in New Zealand. We used to get the bags refilled. And then we moved here. And whether or not, maybe when we first moved, there wasn't a Baker's Delight nearby. We just didn't think about it. But it was that plastic-free July really kind of, you know, triggers something and makes you think about your choices. Um, so I would go up to the source in Crow's Nest, which is a great um, shop because you can uh, buy all your dry goods there. Fruit, dried fruit, flowers, rice, um, nuts, and they use paper bags. And I actually have my bags labelled and I even reuse the paper bags, which is probably a bit extreme. But it means you don't have to write the number on the bag again. <laughs> and, you know, and they do wear out eventually, but it's surprising how long they do last. And I keep the, um, the green plastic bags that I get at Harris Farms. I re reuse those. So I just keep them in those shopping bags. They're all ready to go when I go out on Saturday morning to Harris Farms because I, I like going there because of the imperfect selections. So in Harris Farms, they've got a really good long um, area of um, what they call imperfect fruits and vegetables. To me, they're not imperfect. They're just the rejects that don't look quite so the right shape or they might have a little mark on the skin. In permaculture, food is a major focus, and it's not just about what is eaten and how it's grown, but importantly, where 
it comes from. I'm very concerned about things like food miles. The distance that uh, there is between where the food's produced and then when it gets to you, the consumer. Say if you look at, um, was it somebody I was doing some shopping with? I'm sure she won't, hope me men- won't mind me mentioning that. She wanted some mandarins. She is on a special diet. And I said to her, look, there's no mandarins at Harris Farms at the moment um, because they're, it's not, they're not in season. And um, she said, oh, it's really the only thing I really fancy. She'd been sick, you know, and you could understand that. So I, I thought, all right, well, I'll go and have a look at Coles. And they had mandarins, but they were from the USA. Now, that's a long way to bring fruit and veg. And I know in, Amer- in Australia, we do have quite long distances. Yeah, but it's still not as far as coming from overseas. <laughs> If you grow your own food, and I think that's a really good lesson for children to know, well, in the winter, you won't be able to um, pick your tomatoes from the garden because they won't ripen in the winter. The plants will actually grow in Sydney in the winter, but it's really hard to get the fruit to ripen. So I think eating seasonally is a really good sustainable thing to do. And actually, that's quite an easy thing to do for a lot of people. If it's come from overseas, it's highly likely it's not in season in Australia because we actually can grow most things here in some parts of the country, you know. I mean, I don't know if we want to get into growing things in greenhouses because that's another issue. But um, for me, I don't buy fresh tomatoes unless they're in season. And in fact, I rarely buy fresh tomatoes because we do grow them. And we don't grow a huge amount, but between the community garden and my own garden, we probably grow enough. Once in the permaculture mindset, Sarah says it only gets easier to make the daily decisions that are part of life as a consumer. It's just little steps, isn't it? It's just, um, I suppose Paul and I aren't really big consumers, but when we are going to buy something, um, we think really carefully about where we're going to get it. We wouldn't just go, you know over to Bunnings or over to Chatswood. We, we'd, we'd investigate first. We had to buy a new oven because um, the oven we had was really large and just for two of us, we just thought, this is ridiculous. Uh, it's using too much energy. Um, so I probably spent a week or so online and reading different things. Choice magazine is really good. Um, you don't even have to subscribe. You can go to Willoughby Library and they have back copies of it. Um, and, and go through articles and read up about it. I, I do that for anything digital, like even if I was going to buy a new phone. Well, actually, I don't buy new phones. I buy a reused, reconditioned smartphone. There's a company in Australia that does that really well. So, yeah, it's, it's thinking about it, really. But it's not just about individuals and their actions. Sarah says governments at all levels have a role to play in facilitating initiatives, such as the one she's particularly proud of, the Sydney North Repair Cafe. The Repair Cafe is um, in Lane Cove, in the Living and Learning Centre on Longerville Road, which is a Lane Cove council-owned building, which we rent from them. And we meet uh, twice a month, the first and second Sunday afternoon of the month, from two till four. At the moment... We have a booking system because of COVID. So if you go to the Repair Cafe Sydney North website, there's a booking form to use. We've got a fantastic community atmosphere there. And all of us, um, the repairers, the volunteers, are quite a close-knit group now. Um, COVID's 
Yeah, it's been a bit of a shame for that, though we've had some Zoom meetings. Um, and we opened up again in October for the public. And quite a lot of the repairers have come back. Some have decided they're not quite ready to do that yet, but generally we have. And normally we'd have food and drink and people come in and they actually spend quite a long time there. You know, they like chatting to people. And, and people spend quite a lot of time there learning how to fix their own things. Because that's the whole point. It's about skill sharing. Our slogan is toss it no way, but it's, it's skill sharing. I mean, we're overwhelmed with the number of people we get inquiring about Repair Cafe. So not just people who want to get things repaired, but people who want to be part of the movement and want to set up their own too. So we did have a meeting in 2019 for people from other areas of Sydney and even beyond who wanted to find out how to set up their own Repair Cafe. So it's a small, you know, it starts with one and multiplies. Yeah. Um, but we, we do jewellery repairs and sewing repairs and um, shoe umbrella repairs and tool sharpening. And we've, we've got both male and female tool sharpeners. So, um, yeah, it's for anybody. That was local resident Sarah Miller, a truly inspirational example of what sustainability looks like in day-to-day -day living. If you're keen to learn more about and or get involved in permaculture, check out the Sydney North branch at permaculturenorth.org.au. You can also visit the Sydney North Repair Cafe at repaircafesydneynorth.net and for a list of the seven community gardens in the Willoughby City Council area, head to the council website at willoughby.nsw.com gov.au and search community gardens. There will of course be links to all of those websites in the accompanying show notes. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please make sure to download the other episodes in the Live Well Sustainability series. We've covered topics including bush care, sustainable fashion, e-bikes and sustainable food. You can find links to each of those episodes on the Willoughby City Council website or by searching Live Well Sustainability in your favourite podcast app. The Live Well Sustainability podcast is part of Willoughby City Council's Live Well in Willoughby environmental education campaign. To find out more about how you can live a more sustainable life, head to the Council's website and search Live Well. <laughs>